Welcome everybody to another episode of Beyond Queer Stories. Today we have a returning guest, Riley. Riley is a 22-year-old trans, non-binary, demi-pansexual guy who doesn't yet know what he wants to be when he grows up, but he has a love for nature and the arts. They're also a proud dad to three cats, two geckos, and one rat. Riley is the oldest of three siblings in a hard-working family of five in the middle of Tennessee, where he lives in a camper on his family's small farm slash homestead with his husband. Some things he enjoys doing in his free time are photography, pen paling, journaling, gaming, fossil and rock hunting, sketching, hiking, and adventuring. He's also a mental health warrior. He fights CPTSD, anxiety, ADHD, depression, and is also on the autism spectrum. Hashtag me too. Riley does the best he can with what he has and is always trying to improve and learn. Welcome, Welcome back. <laughs> hey. We're happy you're back. So I know we always start with the identity question. And since you've been on before when we have returning guests, we kind of leave it open to whether there's any shifts in how you feel about your identity since last time we recorded or anything that you'd like to talk about in regard to how your identities influence you. I don't think my identity so much shifted. I still feel the same. I still identify the same, but I'm definitely growing a lot more as a person. And I guess that's part of my identity. Mm -hmm. Being an adult is not easy. And I just, I'm doing the best that I can. (laughs) Yeah. Being an adult is rough. (laughs) Well, I know one of the identities that changed since last time is last time you were a fiance, and this time uh, yeah. you're married, <laughs> you had your beautiful wedding. I'm married now, yeah. Yeah, how was that? We saw the pictures, it looked beautiful. The wedding was exciting. It's definitely been strange being married. It's It feels a little different than I thought it would, but at the same time, it's nice. And our relationship has grown since then in ways that we haven't really expected, but are Mm -hmm. thankful for. So it's exciting. Nice. Great. Yeah, I think people sometimes don't realize that, like, even though you lived together before you're married and you've been together for a long time before you're married, going through that whole kind of process and commitment does change things, you know, and create room for more growth and new experiences. Exactly. It really does. And I think some of the dynamics changed after we got married too, um, which we didn't really expect that because we have lived together for almost like three or four years now. Mm. So we didn't really expect any changes, but there were some, and it's mainly about who does dishes and (laughs) who does the cat litter and stuff (laughs) like that. But we work it out. <laughs> good, good. We appreciated seeing all your pictures and in the pictures of the actual farm and all the beautiful animals you're surrounded by. What kind of fossils and adventuring do you like doing? I mainly go down to creeks and uh, Jackson Falls, which is a really big waterfall near my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all kinds of fossils there. There's 
things called crinoids, which are <laughs> <laughs> I love the sort sound of animals, of sort of not animals. What does that mean? It's kind of <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it means they're like basic life forms. Okay. And they're just like little discs of them, mm-hmm. like little spine sections, basically. But I find those and I find lots of coral. I find all kinds of fossils and stuff. Crystals. I find a lot of quartz. Oh, wow. And each piece I find is uh, unique, which I like that. And there's tons of geodes as well. But I have a pretty big collection. (laughs) Yeah, I imagine. Do you have like a special space where you keep them and kind of store them? They'd be cool. I have like a small... I have a small organizational box for them as well as a few containers. Um, I kind of organize them into categories. Like I'll put the geodes with the geodes or the crystals with the crystals, etc. I try to keep them organized uh, as best as I can, but sometimes it's hard to sort them out. It'd be really cool to just go hiking and in falls and just find natural geodes and crystals because like out here in Chicago people pay so much money to buy those things and to just be like walking along and just find them naturally just would feel so organic and really really grounding I feel like it is really interesting to be able to go out and find those things um I miss living in New Jersey there was a river there I forget what it's called but we would find shark teeth and squid pieces and all kinds of sea life and tons and tons of shark teeth. But I really miss going there. We would go there quite often. Um, I'm actually interested to see what it looks like nowadays because it's been so long since we've been there. But that was definitely one of my favorite places growing up because we were sort of raised to look for stuff like that like go to the beach and look for shark teeth and all kinds of stuff we were raised that way that's cool has your um homestead gotten any bigger did you add more roosters or goats (laughs) no we have a lot of ducks and a lot of turkeys now (laughs) um so we've got plenty of chickens and then we have about 10 ducks uh probably eight or nine turkeys and then we have baby goats and the mom goat is pregnant again so we're gonna have even more babies oh wow (gasps) so that makes it grow a little bit do you keep them all when you when they have babies it depends um we don't really keep the boys and we I think we're going to be downsizing, so we're probably going to end up giving them all away. Oh, wow. I'm selling totally them all. Take your goats. I'll take them all. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends out here who moved from the city to the suburbs, and they um, bought a small farm, and they want to get goats there because um, they're uh, yoga practitioners, too, and they want to do goat yoga because that's a fun thing that people are doing now. And they're teaching it at somebody else's farm now, but they want to get their own goats. I know someone who trained their goat to be an indoor-outdoor goat. Like, they trained it to, to like, use the bathroom outside and not inside. So really? So, it's cool to have a goat in a city. Oh, wow. An indoor-outdoor <laughs> goat. <laughs> Just walk it like your dog. 
walk I would die. around the block. <laughs> You'd be like the, the most popular person in the neighborhood. Like, uh, they're out with their goat. I had somebody who I lived next to in Chicago when I first moved to the city who had a pig and would walk their pig like a dog. And I'd see them walking down the block. I love like, it. Oh. I love it. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But why do you have ducks now? Like, what do you do with ducks? Aside from, like, foie gras. Uh, <laughs> we love to eat their eggs. Really? Ducks are amazing. Really? They're a lot more rich than uh, chicken eggs. And turkey eggs are also really good. But those are more rare for us. But yeah, the duck eggs, they're a lot bigger, they're a lot more richer in color, and they taste amazing. They're bigger than chicken eggs? Yeah. Really? I would have never guessed that. Interesting. Do they lay eggs more frequently than chickens and turkeys? I think it's about the same. Turkeys don't lay eggs very often. Okay. How do turkeys become turkeys? <laughs> there's a philosophical like, question for you like, how do turkeys become turkeys and not chickens like, what do you mean <laughs> like how do they have babies if they hardly ever yeah lay if eggs? they don't lay eggs how do they become the turkey <laughs> no sense. i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure turkeys have like seasons <laughs> what do you mean like they rarely lay eggs how do they exist how do the how are they not extinct i don't get it but I get <laughs> <laughs> it's a genuine question. <laughs> no, I think I think they have seasons. Like, like I think they lay their eggs in seasons. Uh, okay. okay, okay. So like, once turkey because... laying eggs, <laughs> <laughs> eggs or being schooled on homesteading one hundred and one. <laughs> I really want to know. <laughs> you want to have tur- so Shabi just moved to a new place too, so I she did. might be thinking about ideas of um, yeah. what to do in her new place. I really want turkeys. And goats. <laughs> Low-key, I want goats more. Because the buying is just, like, adorable. <laughs> I love the attitude that goats have. Yeah, they do have attitude. When you see the the videos of them just, like, jumping on other animals and they don't give a fuck. <laughs> like... <laughs> Are your goats like that? Are they really aggressive? Are they no, aggressive they're not like aggressive. Uh, the last time I sat in the barn with them... The one, the baby boy that had horns, he uh, decided to ram his horns into my back Ooh. while I was sitting there, which wasn't very nice. Oh. So they do have attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the only time that they were being a bully. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Other than that, they just like to nibble on your pockets and Aww. your clothes. Cute. Yeah, I was wondering if you train a goat to be an indoor outdoor goat, how do you get it to not eat all your stuff? Because aren't they known for just eating whatever? You probably have to pick your stuff up. <laughs> It'll make you keep your house real clean. <laughs> just pick yeah. your stuff up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know we are, so we're at about almost story time. I was in fifth grade, so probably 10 or 11. I lived in a sketchy neighborhood in a low-income area with a backward school system. It was a normal morning in first period. It was one of my IEP classes. I asked to use the bathroom just like I normally do right after class starts because I like to finish my homework in there. I signed out and went. A girl who was at the time friends with me came shortly after I left to do her homework, too. We both finished our homework and went back to class. A short time later, the vice principal comes 
into our classroom and ask my teacher for a word outside. They talk for a few minutes, then my teacher shows the vice principal the bathroom sign-out sheet. This is when my clever behind figured out and guessed that it could be a bomb threat. So I asked my teacher when she came in again, and immediately she tells me to come with her. She leads me through the halls to the office, and we meet the vice principal in his office. They exchange a few words, and my teacher goes back to class. The vice principal closes his door. Right now, the door is locked. The lights are off. The blinds are shut, and he's staring at me. He started asking me if I wrote the bomb threat, not even explaining to me what's going on. I'm now crying, and I keep telling him I didn't do it, and I had no idea what's going on. He tells me I'm lying and puts paper and pen down on the table in front of me. He told me to sit down and write. The brown dog was by the ice cream truck over and over. He told me he knows I did it and he asked how I knew about it. I tell him I just guessed and that I didn't do it. You can tell that I had no idea about the right to remain silent or anything like that at this point in my life. <laughs> because I totally should have just kept my mouth shut and asked for my mom. He left with my handwriting to compare it to the bathroom wall. They also took my pencil and class journal to compare as well. Meanwhile, the other girl, my friend at the time, was still sitting in class as if she's innocent. They didn't even bother questioning her. The principal returns and says that he's done being nice and that he was going to ask me one more time if I did it or else he would call the police and the bomb dogs and that I would be going to jail if I didn't tell the truth. Still sobbing, I tell him again that I didn't do it. And he tells me I'm lying and to wait in the main office. And then he calls the police and the bomb dogs. Luckily for me, it was also at this time when he called my mom. While sitting, waiting for everyone to arrive, the other girl passed by in the hall and had the audacity to smile at me. I still hadn't put two and two together that she had done it, but I was angry and upset that she wasn't in here with me because she was on the bathroom list too. But it's because I'm the one who opened their mouth and knew. <laughs> My mom and the police officer walk into the vice principal's office while I wait in the main office and watch the police dogs go by. They invite me into the office and everyone is sitting down. The police officer introduces himself and says he just wants to talk to me. He asks me if I wrote the bomb threat. I tell him no. Still, no one believed me. My mom didn't even at first because I had recently gotten into trouble at home and was grounded. I had no one on my side. I was afraid. I had been interrogated for about three hours, and I was scared that I was going to jail. The policeman says, okay, and leaves just me and my mom in the vice principal's office. I tried telling her I didn't do it. She wanted to believe me, but I had broke her trust recently. After about 15 minutes, the police officer came back to speak with my mom alone first. Then they invite me in, and I sit down. The policeman tells me they tested the fingerprints, and they know it wasn't me. Still crying, I tell them I told them I was telling the truth. Upon learning the truth, my mom was furious by how I was treated and the treatment I received before she was finally notified, which should have happened right away. She tells them she's taking me home early. And to my surprise, my mom didn't make a problem uh, about it with the school. That sounds really scary to go through as a kid to have them kind of grilling you and being so young and not knowing like what's okay for them to do and not do to you. Yeah, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know that all that I had to do was ask for my mom and that that probably would have been my best option right away. Even if my mom didn't believe me, 
I feel like I wouldn't have gotten treated the way that I was if my mom had been there from the beginning. So did they apologize for any of that or like acknowledge that they didn't treat you well during that process? Not really. They actually asked my mom why she was taking me home when she told them that she was taking me home early. Oh, wow. And she (laughs) she was by that she was like are you kidding me uh you just put riley through all of this and we're going home you you're not no yeah you're not gonna keep doing this to my kid all day so what happened with the girl uh she got expelled from fifth grade till ninth grade and i don't know what else because i didn't talk to her again wow (laughs) So that's a big consequence had they not figured out who actually did it, you know? Yeah, that's another reason why me and my mom were so frustrated is because they did all this interrogating and telling me that I did it without even proof. Yeah, They were just guessing Mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah, and threatening, which is not okay. And yeah, children. I was afraid that I was going to jail. And, you know, the dogs were coming in. I was scared. I was, I was crying the whole time for two to three hours. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like having to go to school the next day? I don't remember, but I'm sure I got a lot of questions from other students. But no, I'm not really, I don't really remember the next day. I'm glad they figured out who actually did it because that's pretty severe for, like you said, like jumping to conclusions and just assuming and then following through with the police and expulsion and all of that without knowing right away who actually did it and just making assumptions. Yeah, it was backwards. (laughs) Yeah, right. Was there actually a bomb or was it just the threat? Like, did they expel her? Uh, no, because... it was just a threat. We we would have bomb threats at our school every two to three weeks, oh, either wow. at the middle school or the high school. So it was kind of like a normal thing. Like, we were used to the drills. We were used to lining up and going outside. And mm. um, for some of them, if it was at the middle school, we'd have to be bused to the high school. And if it was at the high school, it would have to be they would have to be bused to the middle school. Wow. So we were used to it, which is why I think, again, I was so quick to figure it out. Yeah. Like at the beginning when the principal was asking the teacher, I'm a smart kid and I put two and two together. Happens all the time. But yeah, it was just a threat. Yeah, so then it makes total sense that that's what you thought it was if it was that frequent there, you know, and you're kind of used to how they react when that happens. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a different culture to be going to school into where it's totally normalized to have bomb threats every few weeks. Yeah, and it was kind of weird when I had moved to Georgia um and went to high school in Georgia I had actually found one in the bathroom and I told one of the principals at the high school and he just kind of rolled it off like like he didn't even hear me tell him that I found one 
A bomb? Which was... No, no, a bomb oh, a threat. threat. I was like, <laughs> I what? I just thought bomb in the bathroom. <laughs> I, was, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> God. Okay. What a rude principle. Good clarification. <laughs> I know. No, but it it's clearly, funny. it had a time and... The, oh, wow. I had no prior knowledge of there being any bomb threats at our school. You know, I thought this school was different. So I told him and he didn't seem to care. That's sad. And That's nothing scary. happened, but still. It's crazy. I'm I'm really glad that I moved from that area. <laughs> How bored do you have to be to make a bomb threat for every two weeks? I'm just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's such a, like, bogus thing to do. But I'm surprised yeah. with them actually expelling people that so many people still did it, even though they knew that they could get expelled and, like, kicked out of the school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It It's a mystery to me why they would keep doing it, but they were... They happened quite often, so... Yeah. Somebody kept doing it. So I know that you also wanted to like share some stuff about what you've been going through recently and wanted to make sure that we give you space to do that if that's something you still want to do. Yeah, I can talk about um, kind of what I've been going through a little bit. I recently just got out of a psychiatric hospital. I was there for 11 days. I had gone in for um, suicidal ideation. And when I say that, I never, ever have a plan. It's just bad thoughts in my head that scare me sometimes. So I went in. My antidepressants haven't been working very well. So I talked to my doctor about ECT. Mm -hmm. And ECT is uh, electroconvulsive uh, therapy. And it sounds scary, and I was scared at first, especially when I figured out that part of the procedure is going through and having a small seizure, and that's that sounds scary to me. So I made sure I talked to my doctor a lot about it and made sure all my questions were answered, but... One of the reasons why they use ECT is when traditional antidepressants don't work, and I've taken quite a few of them. Trying the ECT, it's done under general anesthesia, so you're, the patient is completely asleep the whole time. And sometimes they even give you like a muscle relaxer beforehand. And when the patient is actually going through the procedure and having the seizure from the electric current, the only thing you can see moving is like their hands might be moving a little bit or their toes might be moving a little bit. But other than that, they're like completely still. But... Yeah, small electric currents are passed through the brain, intentionally triggering a brief seizure, and it seems to cause changes in the brain chemistry, quickly helping reverse mental health conditions often used when other treatments are unsuccessful, but may not work, but it may not work for everyone. So 
the research I've done, it shows that ECT is anywhere from 60 to 90% effective. It just varies. I'm not sure. I wish I could figure out which one is the true percentage, but it's from 60 to 90%, um, which is still pretty good. And it works a lot faster than antidepressants do anyway. Antidepressants can take like anywhere from a couple weeks to a month to get into your system and start working and start helping you. But a lot of the stigma attached to ECT is based on the early treatments back in the old days where high doses of current were used and no anesthesia was used. And I would not be able to imagine that. Yeah, and I feel like when people hear about that, that's the image that they have in their head, right? Which is like what you see in like documentaries and all that stuff when people talk negatively about it. But the way you describe it is much more patient-centered, right? To like take care of oh, the patient. Yeah. Like, especially like you, you come in, you get on the bed, they have a blanket for you. They like attach you to a blood pressure cuff to make sure like your heart's monitored the whole time and all that. And you have like the blanket makes me feel so much better. It means so much that they have a blanket there for me. That's great. And it's interesting you brought it to your doctor. So it sounds like you did a bunch of research on it and you brought it as a suggestion. Yeah, there's a lot more other research that I'm doing as far as mental health, but it's a lot more controversial. So I'm not sure if you would want me to share those. Open to whatever you would like to share with us. We're happy to give you space for that. Please share. <laughs> I feel like I might know what you're talking about, but I want to like hear you say it. Well, they're studying things like MDMA and um, psychedelic mushrooms to treat PTSD and depression and all kinds of other mental illness. And they're doing it at places like John Hopkins University and these big schools. And it's really exciting because they just uh, got permission to go into phase three trials, which is like the different phases of trials. Like it's like a bigger group of people each time. So in phase three, like they have like the largest group of people they can test it on. So a lot of of people are going to get to volunteer and there's a lot of research done already on it. Anyway, it's exciting and the research is really interesting and I'm not suggesting it to anyone, but it's exciting research, especially in the mental health scene where I don't know, it just seems like to me progression has been slow lately. And I feel like this is like a huge progression. It's cool that you brought that up. Like, I'm really glad because that's exactly what I was thinking of when you mentioned the like hesitance around that. Because <laughs> most people don't really like to think about drugs like psychedelics as something that people could use to overcome issues like PTSD, anxiety, depression, all of this stuff, because it was used as like a hippie drug back in the day and like a party drug back in the day and also like i think these clinical trials are really important and really groundbreaking and i think it's important to like talk about both sides of it in terms of 
it's cool and it could lead to really great breakthroughs and also people should not take it upon themselves to be like oh i have depression so let me go take a bunch of psychedelics because that'll work like that's not how the research works and that's not how that treatment works um so i think it's important to also like be careful about that piece and um just clarifying that for people yeah that's definitely important Mm -hmm. definitely don't want to be like just going out and trying all these things on your own and it's definitely only recommended to be done under strict supervision of a doctor right right um no i would never recommend those things yeah yeah do it on your own that i wouldn't even do that what was your experience, um, you know, going through that process of making the decision, okay, I've found this treatment that does have this stigma behind it, the traditional ways haven't worked for me, and I want to make this decision to try it, and then, like, going through with it, like, how did you, do you feel like it was helpful for you? Is it something that you feel like you're going to integrate into part of your treatment more regularly? I'm still going through it. I have treatment tomorrow. And I just got my seventh treatment done. So this will be my eighth. I'm not quite sure if the doctor is going to do a whole set of 12 or even extend it after that. Because sometimes after you go through the initial six to 12, you can have like intermittent treatments, Mm -hmm. like just here and there throughout a year to kind of just push you through a little bit. But I first was introduced to it from the one of the previous times I was actually inpatient in the psychiatric hospital. Some of the other patients, like I think one or two of the other patients were going through it and I had asked them a few questions and why have you, like I asked them why they chose to do ECT or what it helps with and I first learned that it could help with bipolar disorder and then I learned that it could help with depression and did more and more research on it. And it was still scary to me because I hadn't actually sat down with a doctor and asked those questions. Cause one of my main questions was if I'm going to be having a seizure, does it make me more prone to having seizures later in life? That was one of my main questions. And they said it actually raises uh, your seizure threshold. So it's actually harder for you to naturally go into a seizure. Interesting. Which I thought was interesting. But my mom is a nurse and she had heard of ECT as well. So we, I talked it over with her and we both kind of did our own research and then that's when I brought it up to the doctor while I was in the hospital. It wasn't my plan to go to the hospital and get ECT. It just happened to work out that way that I was there and had brought it up. But it was interesting actually getting into the ECT program because you have to get like blood tests and they have to have you do like an EKG just to make sure your body is physically able to go through the process. Well, I'm glad you, you found something that you feel like might be helpful for you and help you be able to manage all of those symptoms. It 
changes the chemical aspects when you go through uh, and have the seizure. It changes the chemical aspects of the mood part of your brain. And I think it can stack over time. Um, so hopefully that's what it's doing. And hopefully I get a bunch of happy chemicals. We wish you all the happy chemicals. <laughs> How are you feeling now since you've been doing sessions? Like, do you feel like there's a difference before and now? I do feel a little bit of a difference. I think most of it is just, it's kind of weird to say, but like, I feel like I'm, I'm more slowed down now. Like, almost like I can breathe easier. It's really hard to describe. My husband and my mom can definitely tell. I've asked them if they could tell if there's a difference or not. And they said that they can tell. But uh, it's hard It's hard for me to tell. But I think that's just because I'm in my head so much. And I'm doing better with mindfulness and all that good stuff at not being in my head so much. But I think it's helping. I've been I've been way more talkative, like especially with my husband, which is awesome for our relationship. But um, been more talkative with him, with my parents. Even I've been going over and visiting them more because even though we live across the street from each other, it's not like we're over there all the time. <laughs> But yeah, I've been visiting them more, hanging out with them, um, been going outside more, which is great. I don't know, just little stuff like that. Like I did the dishes yesterday, which, you know, self-care and home care and that sort of thing is hard for somebody with mental illness to do sometimes. That's great. So, those are all big changes when you add them all up, right? Like all those are a bunch of little changes that add up to a lot of shifting. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of nice to admit that because I can kind of see it better, mm -hmm. um, which is nice. I appreciate you sharing all of that with us and kind of dispelling some of the myths that people have heard about ECT. I just hope it makes sense and <laughs> it made total sense. Yeah. Well, we are at about wrap up time. Is there anything else you want to make sure you have time to share before we wrap? I guess the only little silly thing that I would want to say is I just got into pen palling and it's a super fun hobby and more people should totally do it. And awesome. yeah, it's fun. So how do you find people to write? There's an app called Amino and there's a pen pal section for it. And we do like short little interviews. Like you'll say, I'm looking for someone this age to this age that's interested in this stuff. And I'll message you. And generally I'll do like a short question and answer just to see if we're like compatible to be pen pals. Because you don't want someone that you have nothing in common with. And then you just sometimes you kind of have to have a little bit of trust because then you give them your address. Mm -hmm. And I have 
two letters that I'm ready to send. Oh, cool. But they're going to be going out tomorrow. But like yeah, that. pen palling is cool. Getting back to real paper and writing. Pen palling is cool. Very cool. Well, we're happy you were able to join us again. It's great to catch up with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I hope that everything went good. It did. It went very well. Despite how nervous I've been. <laughs> you did great. Whenever you get rid of your goats, call me. <laughs> so I can come over and pick them up. <laughs> Is, so what about the goats? <laughs> she said, I said whenever you get rid of your goats, call me so I can come pick them up. Oh, the babies? <laughs> yes. They're born? Yeah. I don't know about that. Just send us an email. I'll just buy a plane ticket. As long as you provide them. transportation. I'll just rent a van and just put it in the front seat. With like seat a little baby baby thing. In the front seat of the van. Yeah. I'll put a diaper on it. It's cool. <laughs> a little diaper on yeah. a baby. Maybe goat. in the back. In the back. Yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> That's fair. I'll give it like a little bed. And feel free to send us any more pictures you would like. Alrighty. Is there anything you want to plug at the end? Like anything else? I don't think so. Just pen palling. I wish more people would do it. Well, we'll hype it up. So, what is the app that you use? So we can tell people in case Amino? Okay. Yeah. So I'll mention that in case people want to get into pen palling and maybe write you? I mean, they could write me if they can find me. <laughs> right? That'll be their their scavenger hunt. <laughs> well, My profile for- matches me pretty well, so... Cool. It'll be pretty easy to find. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was great having you. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Y'all too. I'll probably go feed the chickens or something. <laughs> nice. Sounds good. <laughs> Bye, Riley. See ya. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from DC and you can check out her music at bstudwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk Talk to you all all next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. Hey everyone, so we have something different at the end of the episode today. We are wrapping up season two. This was the last episode of the year. We're so excited that you all joined us for our first full year of Beyond Queer Stories. It was an amazing year. We had so many guests who just brought their stories to the table and shared them with you all. We're so happy to have everyone who is involved in season one and season two. And we are wrapping up our first full year in 2019. So it's super exciting. We have so many really amazing guests to come next year. So we're really excited to bring them to you and their stories. We're going to also have some new changes for 2020. So I'm going to let you in on some of the changes coming up. Some are going to be surprises, but we're going to keep you all in the loop as they come about. 
one thing we're going to do is have some surprise guest co-host, which I'm really pumped about. We're going to have some people from past episodes, some new people come on and join us. And this is going to be really exciting and bring some new voices to the table. Also, I've decided that while we are on break, I'm not going to leave you all hanging. I'm going to be releasing some of our best episodes from seasons one and two while you're on break so you still have something to listen to. Let us know what ones are your favorites. If you have any votes, feel free to let us know. Reach out to us on any of our social media, all at Beyond Queer Stories. If there are certain episodes you want to hear again, any episodes that you want to talk about with us, We'd be happy to highlight the ones that you really want to hear, that you want to make sure people hear. I've got some in mind for sure, and we're going to be releasing those throughout the break, and we're going to be on break until January 1st, so we're going to launch our next season January 1st, bring you a little bit of new format, a little bit of new energy, and we're really excited for this. So we're also looking for new guests for season three. So if you're interested in being on the podcast, reach out to us on our Facebook page, which is at Beyond Queer Stories. We have a link on there under the sign up button to fill out the form to be on the podcast. Or feel free to just slide into our DMs on Instagram too. We'd love to hear from you. And we will be booking people soon for season three. And we're actually in the process of recording season three now. So make sure you get on there, get your date booked if you're interested. We have a lot of great guests already lined up, and we'd love to have you as well if you have a story you want to share and you want to put it out there into the audience and connect with others. Uh, so I really want to thank you all for being with us along for the ride for year one. We had a really great time and loved connecting with you all, and we hope you join us on our new journey in year two when we bring you seasons three and four of Beyond Queer Stories. Bye. Bye.